the B Hall Army Wrestling Radio Show. I'm Jordan Tom Ball with Brian Rowan. Uh, today's episode, we got an Indiana State champ, two-time NCAA qualifiers, a team captain, a Arvin Memorial Award recipient, Mr. Intensity Award recipient. He's from a class of 2008, and he's currently a company commander in 160th. We've got on Fernando Martinez. What's up, guys? Fernando, glad to have you on the show. It's funny when I hear Jordan call you Fernando. I yeah, like, I guess not. Not too many people use use my full name. That's uh, it's unique. You're like my mom right now. My phone yelling at me. I really let it. I really let it roll <laughs> off the tongue too. You did. You did. You should have like yeah. like really rolled rolled the R. You know, just do do a uh, thing with it. It's all my time in El Paso. I, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're well, yeah, man. It's, it's good to be when here. I searched, uh, when I searched Nando in my phone, nothing came up, and I was like, "Wait, I have text messages with him." Like, oh, you need wait. to make sure you need to make sure you get my good picture for my uh, contact photo. You know the little, whatever the one was in the social studies hallway or whatever. That's the one right there. <laughs> it was right outside the uh, ge- my geography of. Uh, That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> Sixth floor Washington Hall. <laughs> All you listeners out there. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started. So we've had a few. Uh, Indiana boys on the show now. Um, talk to a little about like getting into wrestling. You know, growing up in Indiana, uh, what it was like. Why you chose West Point? Kind of like the beginning of your journey. Yeah. Um, so you know, Indiana is unique in, in that it's like a one division state uh, versus like you know certain states. So like, there's only one state tournament at one level, which makes it kind of unique. Um, it's definitely a, a pretty solid state in regards to like being a, a midwestern state. Obviously that it's not quite the uh, the powerhouses maybe some of the the others well-known ones that you know you being a PA boy and Ohio boys over there you kind of know what I'm talking about but I think Indiana has the real lot, a lot of real solid wrestling uh, for me you know I got into wrestling because I didn't make the basketball team actually that's how it, because oh, I was like because I was, I was like I was like every bit of every bit of like four foot tall uh, <laughs> but I was real scrappy so uh, I was always like a three sport athlete as a kid. And then, you know, I couldn't play basketball. So I was all, all bummed out. So uh, my math coach was the wrestling or my math teacher was the wrestling coach uh, when I was in like seventh grade. So I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'll just ask. And so he's like, yeah, show up to practice. And then, uh, you know, showed up one day and led me down the path, I guess, that, that I, I ended up liking it and being pretty good at it. And eventually I stopped doing everything else and just focused on wrestling year round. And here, here we are. <laughs> yeah uh so when did you first like become aware of west point or like did you reach out to west point did west point reach out to you chuck Collier um no i think it was so i'm not actually 100 percent sure but i think it was a little bit of timing a little bit of coincidence so um a, an older cousin of mine uh was a he just retired from marine corps but was a marine corps pilot and so when i was in like early high school he was going through a lot of his initial Marine Corps training and he would come home like on the holidays and just tell me these stories of like all the things he was doing in, in the Marines. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and I was, I was always kind of interested in the military growing up, but I didn't really know like much about it. Didn't come from like a big military family. And uh, so he kind of, you know, we were talking one day and I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And he was basically like, Hey, you know, you're a good athlete. You're doing well in wrestling, get good grades. Like you should look into a service Academy. That might be the, the you know, that might be something that you'd be interested in, you'd do well at. 
Um, and so I kind of like started Googling. I mean, I kind of knew what West Point was, but wasn't super, you know, I didn't know all the details. Um, started kind of looking into things. And like right around that time, I think I might have filled out some questionnaire online. And, and right around that time, the coaches started contacting me. And I don't know if it was coincidence or if maybe like when you fill that stuff out and put your activities, like they get a copy of that and they're like, oh, this guy's, you know, doing well in Indiana. Let's go. Let's talk to him. Um, but that's kind of how it started. And then they just started keeping in contact with me. Um, and then I ended up winning state championship the next year. So then, then they started talking to me more um, and then set up a visit, showed up to my visit. And then, you know, by the end of the visit, I was like, yeah, this, this is the place I need to be. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of how it went. Wait, so did you win states as a junior in high school? Yeah, I won it as a junior. And then I took third as a senior. Oh, I was like, so I, I thought that you won as a senior. So I was like, man, you, you committed really late then. <laughs> now, so, you know, it was interesting. And then talking about like the recruiting trip, there were a few things on the trip that are both kind of funny and that kind of like led me there. So one, um, the guy who hosted me was uh, Bernard Gardner, who was, the, I think he was the captain at the time. Um, he was a super cool guy, a really good wrestler, but I wouldn't say he was like the, like, ideal cadet so I mean this dude had Batman sheets on his bed and <laughs> and his room was like all messy and I was like oh man like I thought it was gonna be really strict military like this is pretty low-key and I think he even skipped a class like one day when I was going through my recruiting trip so I was like oh like this is like pretty chill like I don't think it's gonna be that big of a deal like totally didn't set me up for success on expectation management there <laughs> but then uh no, but I had a really good time on the visit. I, I went to practice, and one of the other things that got me was, uh, so at the time, Sammy Henson was one of the assistants, and that dude is, is super intense. And that was something I was really, like, that really attracted me was just the intensity. And I remember watching him just beat the crap out of Tony Severo, who was, he was a plebe at the time. Um, and they were in practice and whatever. He was just beating this dude relentlessly. And that that just, like, attracted me more. I'm like, yeah, this, this is, like, an intense wrestling room. Like, this is where I need to be. Um, and then, like, the final thing was, like, my parents and I had conversations with Colonel Polka. And, and that guy, you know, he was the, the head OR at the time. He was at West Point for a long time. Uh, you know, men, became a, a really big mentor of mine throughout my time there. But um, he just had a way with words. And he, he just kind of described to me some of the – bigger picture aspects to it in the military and you know everything has a purpose and all that and and I would just that kind of like I really I guess latched onto that and so by the end of that trip I was like yeah this is where I need to be um and that, that so then I started filling out everything I needed to do going through the process um I almost didn't get in because I had like a medical thing like they thought I had asthma which was just an error in my medical record so I had to do these extra tests and everything uh, so I actually got in a little bit late for my class because my, my packet got held up, but luckily it worked out. It's funny you mentioned Colonel Palka when I came on my visit. I, I think every wrestler like sat down in his office. He had this like sweet office and mm -hmm. my parents were there. And my dad to this day still mentions that. He'd be like, oh, you remember the time we went up you know, and you're on your visit and we sat in Colonel Palka's office? He's like one of those dudes who like, if he's your leader, like, and he's like, hey, I need you to like jump in that burning building. You'll be like, all right, since you're saying it sounds like a good plan and like, you'll just do it because you want to do whatever, you, you know, like you'll just follow him. Yeah. He's just one of those dudes. <laughs> you talked about going up on your, on your visit and you're seeing Sammy Henson just wreck people. And so we went through like all these different years of people 
and I'm trying to piece it all together. So this would have been in this would have been in Column Hall at the time, right? It was. It was in Column Hall actually, which was a little ghetto, I would say. It was uh it was like not the like premier top notch <laughs> wrestling facility uh that they have today. Well, I mean, um, if you're trying to if you're trying to wrestle and then do like ballroom dancing lessons right after <laughs> it's the perfect Yeah, but you know, we had a rock wall in the back, which was like <laughs> completely random, but we used to always play around on it and there was ropes and stuff in there. And it was, it was a very strange place to have, you know, like the, that was really only for my plea beer. Uh, and then Arvin was being built or the new Arvin, I should say, was being built at the time. Um, so by the time I was a, a yuck, we were, we had moved into the new facility, which, you know, as you guys know, is just phenomenal. And it's even better now. Look, I haven't been back, but looking at the, uh, videos and the pictures inside the new room some of the additional stuff yep. they've done in there with the new mats it just looks awesome yeah. what was the general vibe at the time when you guys switched from Colin Hall to Arvin was everybody just stoked and wanted to work harder like what was what was that like I would say excitement for sure I mean we we kind of felt like I don't know like second class citizens when we were working out in Cullum because it was kind of like we didn't have like a real nice facility. We, you know, we were just kind of like hidden away in like this old ballroom or whatever. Um, I know for like, it was like, once we moved into Arvin, it was like, Oh, like we're like a legit team. You know what I mean? It, we, it, there was a different vibe, I think. Um, and yeah. then just, you know, the excitement to work out in this like really top notch facility was, was pretty awesome. So moving into your time at West Point, you had some pretty epic battles. Your 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 plebe year and your yuck year, you know, your plebe year, you know, with Travis Featherstone. I wasn't there, but I've I've heard about it. And then with you know, good old slick Willie Simpson, your your sophomore year. Um, do you attribute like those battles, your first two years, and not cracking the lineup to like maybe some of the success you had as a Cal University? Oh yeah, absolutely. So those guys were all super tough. Um, Travis was a very, very tough, very technical wrestler. Honestly, he would have done a lot more with his career, but he tore his knee up uh, when we were sophomores or when we were yucks. And uh, just kind of, it just kind of like, wasn't quite the same. Um, and then in that, so prior to that year, Travis and I were like really close, but he always had the edge on me. Um, that year that he sat out because of his knee, um, I had, not only gained like 12 pounds, but I had made a ton of gains. And like from that point forward, it was a little bit of a different game. Um, but then right behind him, then old Slick Willie rolled in, which, you know, when it was during the season, he was Slick Willie. In the off season, of course, he was Fat Willie, uh, well, which I think well, he's, I think he's Fat Willie in my phone. Yeah. <laughs> he's Slick Willie in my phone. <laughs> yeah. He's Slick, he's Willie, slick Willie. Slick yeah. Willie. You slick know Willie what? Yeah, that's right. He's Slick Willie in our hearts for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh but I used to always tell him that because you know he would like fluctuate his weight would just fluctuate so crazy uh and <laughs> so he was he'd be fat willy sometimes and then he'd work out for an hour and then all of a sudden he'd be slick willy again so he was good <laughs> he was a, he was an expert weight cutter for sure <laughs> but yeah like some of those battles man I mean we had a good time and I'm like you know those those guys are, are awesome close friends and it was interesting like how you know we could be like best of best of friends like Travis and I probably Travis was my best friend at the academy still is like one of my very very close best friends um, we still stay in touch we talk all the time actually we've even been on a few vacations together um, but like on the mat man just vicious just beating the crap out of each other um, and definitely attribute a lot of my gains uh, to those two as well as wit which I know you, you want to get deep into that one too um, some those those uh, in 
like in-house battles um, definitely, I think, pushed me to be better because I had to overcome a lot of like internal adversity. Like I actually almost quit the team at one point. Nobody knew it. And then I became the team captain the next year. <laughs> um, and that was just because I was just, I was, I felt like I was doing all the things I could do, um, working hard, you know, doing everything that, that I thought I needed to do. And it just wasn't happening. Like I was neck and neck, you know, I was not, I was cracking the lineup and I wasn't cracking the lineup and I was back and forth. Um, and so like, actually, uh, Mike Clayton, who was one of our assistants at the time. So Sammy, you know, was one of the things that got me there recruiting wise, but he was never actually a coach when I was there. Cause he left, uh, that season. So we actually had Mike Clayton and, uh, Billy Maldonado, who I had a long history with beforehand, real positive. Um, but yeah, Mike, Mike and Billy both, I think, were real major contributors for me in different ways. So, so Billy knew me since I was a little kid. His brother actually coached me as a young kid wrestling uh, for the one year I wrestled when I was like seven. And then when I was in middle school and high school in the off season, he was always like my like freestyle coach. So I, I knew Billy and I actually, Billy took me when I was a kid, when he wrestled at Iowa state, Billy took me and a couple other guys, his cousin and a few other like friends to Iowa state for a wrestling camp with like Cale Sanderson mm -hmm. and those guys uh, when he was on a team. So like I knew Billy for a long time before. So my family was really excited when they find out he got the, the assistant coaching job. Cause they like knew somebody would be there to like look after me. Mm -hmm. um, but Clayton, the, the, the thing I got from him was just, like Billy, I got a lot of technical knowledge and skill from. Clayton, I just got like brute toughness from. Like that guy was relentless and he just beat me. Like we would wrestle and that dude would just beat me hard and just, he just made me tougher. Um, and so I, I was, you know, when I was coming back to the thing with Willie and then the thing with Wit, where I was kind of, those two seasons where I was kind of not cracking the lineup and I, I was kind of on the edge. I didn't know what, what to do. And I sat down with him and he was just like, hey man, like, can you do more? And I was like, what do you mean? Can I do more? He's like, well, I mean, are you physically doing everything you can do or like after practice? Like, can you stand up? Can you like do more stuff? I'm like, I mean, yeah, I guess I could physically do more. He's like, well then just do more. And I was like, well, that's thanks for the advice, bro. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, so what I ended up doing was I started doing extra workouts on my own. More. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I started doing things like I, I would do like dummy drills, pull-ups, sprints and stuff like that. I would do those long Arvin stairs on my own after practice. And then I don't know if it was just a mental thing or it was just that whatever, whatever that was that I needed to push me over the edge. Um, once I like solidified the spot, like there was no turning back and then it was mine. Um, and then, yeah. th and then that, and then I went to the NCAAs and then I came back as a captain and then went again. And, and that was kind of, so, I mean, I, I definitely got a lot from those battles and those struggles with those guys at various levels. So it sounds like uh, your Cal year when you got the Mr. Intensity Award, there should be an asterisk that says Mike Clayton also got it with you. Uh, he might have, yeah. <laughs> he might have actually like been the the contributing thing. So, um, you know, another real brief Mike Clayton thing because it kind of rolls in the same category. So when I was going into my first year, um, I had – so I didn't do like a regular cadet um, like, you know, how you go to like army schools, like you could do airborne aerosol, whatever, like during one year summer, I didn't do any of those. Um, I ended up getting a, a, a like special thing where I got a, to go to a camp at the Olympic training center. Well, 
Yeah, so I went out there. Um, I think Willie was out there with me. Phil Simpson was out there at the time because he was in the Army in the world-class athlete program. So he kind of like he kind of hosted us, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Sprigg, and then uh, Scott Ferguson actually was the other guy. Um, and we went out there for, I want to say, somewhere like around a week. Um, and we just trained in the weight room, and we wrestled, and it was pretty awesome. Well, then I had like, I want to say about 10 days or so between that and my West Point detail where I was like a beast cadre. Um, so I came back to West Point early and I actually like slept on Clayton's couch and just trained every day. And like, those were some of the most brutal workouts. So we were working out like twice a day, like one day we'd go in the room and we would just do technique stuff, drilling over and over again. And then we'd have another workout that was like a conditioning workout. And they were always some weird wazzy thing. And like, just knowing Mike Clayton, he'd (laughs) always have some weird story about native Americans and how they like used to like, you know, hunt down these you know, climb a mountain and take a flower to the other side. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. What's the weird Navy stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the weird, weird Navy stuff that just never let him, like, never left him. But yeah, I remember one day he's like, he wakes me up. He's like, hey, get up. It's time for workout. I'm like, okay. He's like, hands me this dull axe. And he's like, hey, follow me. We go in like the backwoods behind his yard. And there's this giant tree that like had gotten struck by lightning. It's just knocked over. He's like, chop this in half. When you're, that's your workout. I'll be back later. And that thing took me like four hours to chop through. And that was my workout. I had like blisters on my hands. He was like Mr. Miyagi on you. <laughs> he was. He's, I was like uh, Daniel-san or whatever. <laughs> so, so for the listeners who don't know, uh, Mike Clayton was an assistant coach, you know, from I think probably 2007 to 2009 or 10 or so. And he, it was unusual because he went to the Naval Academy uh, in the That's 90s. True. So it was kind of like, this weird thing because he was he was definitely an army fan but he was like oh, we got some squid rolling around here like mm-hmm. it seemed a little weird so clayton had a unique re- relationship with the team <laughs> that's right he he was trying to learn the the, the right ways uh, of the army this is a little bit before the times of Bihar, but this is like the i guess the seeds were sown for for the future generation but this is like uh you know he was trying to learn the ways but he still had some weird navy tendencies you know so we had to we had to like break him of that i guess <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Chopped a whole tree in half. That's great. That's right. <laughs> Chop this tree down. I'll be back later. I was like, okay, it's really vague, but I guess I'll just do it. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that's kind of interesting and, and I guess kind of on a sad note, but during the time you were there, obviously the invasion was a couple years in and <clears throat> I remember even during my time that they would call the mess auto attention, read off, you know, a name and, and a casualty or something like that. And I know during the time period there, it was definitely even more heavy and more frequent. How was that kind of impacting not only like the core cadets as a whole, but you individually and kind of shaping your decision-making as you're trying to prepare and make decisions on what you were going to choose to do when you, when you graduated? Um, I mean, it was a little sobering, like, I think I remember sitting in the mess hall various times and then, you know, they would make those announcements and it was just like everybody, you can know, like, you know, the mess hall vibe is like real upbeat. It's just like yep. loud and bolsterous and everybody's joking around and new cadets or whatever, plebes are getting yelled at and for whatever, not cutting the cake properly or whatever thing we were, whatever the thing we were messing up at the time, you know, um, or like as an upperclassman, you know, you're sitting there doing your thing and then they would make one of those and it would just be like silent. And then, like nobody wanted to talk, nobody knew really how to be, um, because I mean, you know, 
it's interesting, like as cadets, you get held to like really high standards, but you're still kind of like, you're like soldiers, but you're kind of college kids too. And so like, you can see some of yeah. that, like some of that, uh, there's a yeah. level of maturity, but then there's also a level of like naivete, like as well that goes with it. And so it's kind of interesting. Um, so I didn't really know what to make of it. It was just kind of like, well, you know, I guess this is like, it's real. Like, this is what we said we wanted to do. So, you know, that's what it is. And then I guess the other piece to it, just, I think wrestling, not only wrestling at army, but just wrestling in general, like is that, that warrior mentality. Um, you always kind of feed on that. And and I think I've always used wrestling as a base, even like leaving uh, West Point, going out into the army, like every time, like I've had like something that was challenging, especially physically challenging. I look back on some of those most brutal wrestling workouts and I was I would just be like man I made it through that like if I, I remember the days that I did this hill workout or this ski slope workout or these stairs or just wrestled in this brutal tournament and like I would be like well I, I was able to do that so I think I can do this and it's just you lean back on those like harsh experiences from wrestling uh, whether it be cutting weight or whatever else so I, I think wrestling at West Point absolutely had a huge huge impact on preparing me for some of the hard challenges that I saw later, you know, in my army career. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of getting back to a little bit of wrestling stuff, um, I, you know, you were, you know, you're only a year above me. Um, so like something I thought that really set you apart from others was your consistency, you know, whether it was managing your weight, um, the way you wrestled, how disciplined you were as a, as a cadet. Uh, was that something you developed over time? And for, for listeners, you know, Nando would come in the season like 155 pounds in like August and like get down to like 135 before like before during preseason and just like keep it there and just like that like that wasn't something that you know most at least at, most people at West Point did I mean I felt like October 1st came around and you were like 20 pounds over and you were like shoot gotta start losing weight now and October was miserable but you like you did that you did it well um, and I felt like that was consistency, like across the board, not just that, but was that something you developed over time or like you, you had that, you know, instilled in high school and just kind of kept it going. Talk to us a little bit, a little about that. So I think as a personality thing, like I've always been kind of a meticulous person. So like a detail oriented kind of person. I don't know if that's like a, maybe a little bit OCD or what, like, I mean, I probably am a little bit, um, but one thing I think with weight cutting, I never cut a lot of weight until until like uh, cow and first year at West Point. Even in high school, like I, you know, I was a lightweight. I was like 103, 112 pounder in high school, and then when I got to West Point, I was like plebe year. I was like 125, maybe 130 pounds soaking wet. So like weight cutting was not hard those first couple of seasons, um, and then the next couple of seasons, I was like. 145 then 155 and I was still cutting down to 125 and like that part that's when it started getting tough um but because around that another thing with weight too and getting down early was back and I think you still have to I assume you still have to do this but you had to do those hydration tests where at the beginning of the season where you project down to whatever weight well I had to cut weight in order to project down so that I could cut more weight <laughs> so so like I had to like cut weight ahead of time because my initial projection was like you can get as low as 134 pounds I'm like well that's not gonna work and uh I remember I talked to Chuck like first year I was like hey do you think I might have to be a 33 pounder this year and it was like it was me then Willie then Wit, 
and Casey and Kyler. And we were all in that same. And there was like, and I realized pretty quickly, I was like, the team needs me at 25. I'm going to have to figure out a way to get down to 25. Cause like between me and Willie and Wit at 33 or 41, and then Casey and Kyler at 41 and or 49, however that's going to work, you know, it doesn't benefit anybody to have us at the same weight. Like we need to all be spread out so we can maximize, you know, you know, using everybody. And so I was the most logical choice to, for 125. So at first I didn't really want to do it, but I just felt like I had to. So I cut weight and then I was just kind of like of the mindset that I didn't want to go through the pain of like cutting a ton of weight right before. And like, I know some guys would cut weight, you know, they cut 10 pounds a day, eight pounds, whatever the day prior, and then they go wrestle. But I always felt drained when I did that. So I was just like, if I can just cut it incrementally. Um, so like I would, you know, make weight or whatever. And then uh, I would try to let, not let myself get more than like eight or 10 pounds over by like the start of the, the next week. So then I had all week to like slowly get back down. And then I just kind of kept it on that level. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely did a ton of outside of practice workouts just to, just to kind of keep it where I needed to. So you, you just talked a little bit about your first year. So that was you know one of the best finishes we've had, especially I was, I think that was probably the best team we've had in a while. You guys finished third in the IWAs, had six qualifiers. Obviously now that's like the norm, um, but back then it, it wasn't. Um, four of the six qualifiers you know, were, were your classmates. You know, do you guys still keep in touch? You know, talk to us a little about your class and kind of, um, you know, the closeness of it. Yeah, we had a good group. Um, I feel like we had a really talented group and there were a few guys that either quit or, you know, left, left West Point, left the team, whatever, that, that could have done a lot more. Um, in addition to the, the guys that stayed and ended up, you know, making it to the NCAAs that season. I think we were, uh, I wouldn't say we were the most close knit class, but we were pretty close knit. Um, we all got along really well. Um, we all just kind of looked out for each other. I felt like, um, so, I mean, yeah, we definitely had a good group of dudes, but we also had a lot of, so all those guys that, that did make it to the NCAAs, they all had really solid workout partners is another thing. So like, this is, this is a, the, the, the below the line guys that you forget about that. Like, yeah, they may not be the NCAA qualifier, but that NCAA qualifier probably isn't going to the tournament without all those battles he has in practice with those other dudes who may or maybe be second string or, you know, maybe they're a weight class above them and they just push each other. And so we would always do that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, so I think that was one of the big things that really put us, you know, kind of helped us all to be, to, to do well. Um, and then, yeah, I do still definitely keep in touch with uh, some of the guys more than others. Uh, and then, you know, actually throughout you guys hosting this show, like a lot of us have started to listen to it and talk, like call each other and talk about it, which is pretty cool. So this has actually been like a venue for us to uh, sort of catch up, uh, which is pretty cool. Cause I've definitely talked to a few of the guys in like the recent months that I hadn't talked to in a while, just because we were talking about, you know, Hey, have you seen what's going on now with army wrestling, B hall, like this stuff's pretty cool. And so I like, it's pretty awesome what you guys are doing. Nice. That's, that's why Thank we're you. doing all that. I was talking, I was texting with uh, Christian Snow this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a funny dude, man. I love that guy. <laughs> it's funny. I was telling Biro, actually, when we were talking about it, I was like, yeah, they had all these qualifiers. I think it was Nando's, you know, first year. 
And I remember I was at the NCAA tournament, and that was like right when, you know, Coach Wilma and them were calling me, and I was like using that moment as like, all right, let's like see what the Army team's up to. And you guys obviously did well. I think that was the year Kyler All-American. So mm-hmm. it was cool, kind of come full circle. Um, obviously, I never was there when you guys were there, but my brother was. So I, I know a bunch of you guys' names, and it's just – it's cool. So yeah, talking through some brother, of those dudes. Yeah, your brother was, was a scrapper. Your brother was a scrapper, man. Yep, yep. You don't got to tell me. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah uh, you guys are notor- <laughs> yeah, Apparently, you guys are notorious fighters of each other. <laughs> uh, yep, yep. So um, so talking about the team at the time, and it, I guess it could be team-related or it could be academy-related. Give us uh, a couple funny stories about some of those guys or just some experiences you had. Yeah, uh, actually, so um, I was – so I was telling you guys I was beast cadre. So going into first year, I think I was like the XO of a cadet company or whatever. Well, Snook and Tobobbin were both platoon leaders. So we were all – so we decided like, oh, yeah, we're going to be bros and we're going to all live together. It's going to be awesome. It was terrible. It was a terrible experience. <laughs> so I, the three of us got a three-man room thinking it was going to be awesome. And I will tell you that I love Nate Tobobbin to death. I actually just talked to him yesterday. Um, I could never live with that man. Sloppiest person I've ever met. Tobobbin <laughs> <laughs> seems like he would be very sloppy and very stinky. He's, he's, no, he's not stinky. Uh, but he gives you a lot of unwanted hugs. <laughs> no, like, I love him to death, like like a big teddy bear, big brother. But I was just like – I feel like, especially like in cadet world, you got to have your room clean. And then we're like supposed to be the cadre, like yelling at the new cadets for having their stuff messy. And then like, I'm like, Christian and I are going behind them cleaning all the time. <laughs> and like, uh, it, was, it was just, it was ridiculous. But then just like all the shenanigans that summer behind the scenes uh, with those dudes being beast cadre was, was a lot of fun. And then like, you know, teaching, teaching the new cadets combatives was all, always fun. Cause they had like the, the combatives instructors and all that, that were like other cadets. Um, and then the three of us would show up <laughs> and like, just kind of run the show a little bit. So having, having a, it was a good time. It was definitely a good time uh, that summer, but like the living arrangements, I would have definitely, definitely chose differently. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I was looking at Joe Forsman posted a picture today of like him at West Point and Tobobbin was like with him in the background and he had that like part of my French but like that shit eating grin like the Tobobbin yeah. makes smile like That's right. you know good sorry sorry Jordan about that oh. <laughs> Joe Forsman oh, Joe Forsman is a funny guy and he and Nate Tobobbin always had a really good relationship because Joe was a, a first year when we were plebes and he was the starting heavy, heavyweight uh and Nate was you know like the backup heavyweight that year and Nate was a very good as a plebe, but uh, Joe was just a little bit, just a little too much for him. But Joe was funny. I mean, Joe is, is the guy who uh, coined uh, Johnny Smokes. Uh, so he's he's the one that that coined that. And that was, was it? At, uh, that's in my memory is that it was Joe that was the first guy to say it because we would be in tournaments and uh, Joe would be in the sitting in what he called the ice cream section, which was when you lost in the tournament and you could sit and be fat and eat ice cream so then he called it the ice cream section which was just like wherever <laughs> random place in the bleachers um 
and he would just be screaming across the gym, throw the smokes on him, Johnny. And like, <laughs> and like, that's from what I recall, that was how it stuck. And then he became, and then Johnny smokes and his third lung, like that was it. That was his thing. <laughs> yeah. Talk about, talk Origin. about Mr. Intensity. That that's the, that's the real Mr. Intensity right there. Old Johnny <laughs> smokes. Man, that dude, that dude is an animal. Yeah, looking at your class right now, I'm like thinking of Christian and Tababin. It just, it seems like one just comedy show all the time. Like it's just. Oh, yeah. I don't Christian think is a- the guy. Yeah, Christian is the guy who like outwardly, you don't think he cares about anything, but he actually does care. And he might be, he's the dude who's like all goofy and he's got his mouthpiece in his mouth. Or I mean, it's not his mouthpiece, it's his headgear strapped chin- in his mouth. So, yeah, his chin strap in his mouth the whole time. And so like. Guys would just be like, yeah, I'm going to dominate this dude. And he's all skinny and, like, not super strong in his pink shoes. There's Hawaiian-colored shoes. And then he would just come out there and do some weird, like, Ben Askren-style flexi roll, weird, you know, scramble stuff. Little, like, and and then he would just – roll thing. Yeah. Not everybody he was, was just <laughs> he was he well he was just like weird flexible. Like, his limbs would just bend in weird ways. And then he would just, like, flip around. And it was just – it was fun to watch. And then he just looked so nonchalant, like he didn't care and he was all goofy. Uh, but like, I mean, he cared and he worked hard, but he just, the way his personality was just funny. That's he was awesome. also the dude who, yeah, he was also the dude who like would break the ice when everybody was like, so like I was the guy who was like, okay, like I'm like, especially first year, like, okay, I'm the team captain. I got to like be serious. And I'd like try to give like a serious speech. And then he'd the dude like make a fart noise in the background or like, you know, make some, <laughs> make some like really like, like some sarcastic comment to like ruin the mood. And I'm like trying to give my, you know, like miracle speech or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah. So now that you've been, uh, definitely a good time. Now that you've been in the army, you know, doing your thing for 12, 13 years, um, and now you're in the special special operations for aviation. Talk to you maybe just some of your experiences and um, maybe how army wrestling really kind of helped you be successful in what you're doing now. Well, yeah. Um, so definitely, army aviation is 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 pretty awesome. Um, I found that moving into the special operations world was really like where I needed to be within, within, um, you know, army aviation. So, um, and I think actually Casey said something about this when you guys talked to him, but he kind of felt, and I really felt that really like actually kind of hit home with me because he said that, you know, going to assess for the regiment was sort of like the more, the most elite thing he could do in army aviation. Um, and you know, coming from the same mentality, like I always wanted to be around doing the hardest thing with the toughest people um, and being with the, the best of the best. And that's why I wanted to be at West Point. That's why I was a wrestler. Like being a wrestler, I always had this confidence about me. Like I'm a wrestler, so I can do this. Like I can do anything. Like, you know, wrestling gave me so much confidence in my ability to, to accomplish things. Um, like I had proven to myself that I had the ability to do stuff if I set my mind to it. Like, you know, I wanted to be a state champ in high school. Like I was able to do that. I wanted to get into West Point. I wanted to, you know, wrestle at an elite level, go to the NCAAs. Now I wasn't an all American, you know, which was, which is one thing that I, you know, I, I wasn't quite where I needed to hit the mark on. 
Um, I do think that I was kind of right there with regards to like my abilities and, you know, if I had maybe one more season, uh, then I think maybe I probably could have done it. But either way, I just always wanted to be, you know, with the best. And that was kind of the same mentality that, that sort of led me down this path. I mean, um, I'd say, I'd say just those, those hard lessons, those challenges, that adversity, like that kind of stuff. And then knowing that I could get through that, um, always set the tone for my ability to, to accomplish things. Um, and I think that was like the underlying like lessons, um, and just like sort of takeaways from wrestling, especially wrestling at army, um, you know, going, going into, to sort of the special operations world and, and, and doing all the things. Appreciate that. So, you know, we're kind of wrapping things up. We'd like to ask um, most, of, most of the guests on here about it, but like, what would your advice be to recruits listening in or maybe some young cadets um, you know, as they're, you know, progressing through West Point or thinking about going to West Point? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all an experience. It's a hard, it's a hard time and it's unique. Um, I would encourage people to think about the long game uh, because when you're young, you, you don't see – sort of uh, like you kind of only see, you know, what's right in front of you in four years seems like a long chunk of your life to do anything uh, to dedicate your time or, and, or even the five or six year or whatever commitment you end up, you know, taking depending on what you branch uh, in the army. Like that seems like a long chunk of time, but in the grand scheme of things, it's really not a long time. Um, and the something that I learned through my experiences at West Point, uh, whether it be like managing my money or just accomplishing things or setting myself up for success is that, you know, putting in work now and understanding that delayed gratification, like I am going to see the fruits of this labor later. I'm not going to see the fruits of this labor now, but understanding that having sort of the maturity to understand that is huge. Um, and, and West Point is an awesome experience. You know, there were definitely moments where I didn't love it. <laughs> uh, I think that I think anybody that went to West Point would probably say that. Um, yeah. You know, but I definitely wouldn't trade it for the world. I, you know, I definitely throughout that and my experiences in the army, I've traveled all kinds of places. Some, you know, maybe not places I really care to go to, um, but other places really awesome. Met a ton of amazing people. Um, I've made connections that West Point network is so powerful and especially for those of my like classmates and friends who've gotten out um, they're all like I can look at like LinkedIn and like pull up their accounts and look at like all the different things they're doing all of them doing like big huge things doing great people in the military people outside of the military um, so like the networking is great um, and then just like the life lessons I mean I think I think going through those challenges both from wrestling and then just from being a West Point cadet in general um, I think have taught me lessons in life that, that are just, you know, that are awesome. And that will just allow me to have the confidence to be like, Hey, like whatever this thing is, that's going to come in front of me. Like, I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to do it. Um, but I know that I can figure it out. And if not, I can reach out to, I know I can reach out to some people that know what they're doing. that can help me figure it out. Um, and, and I think that's kind of like probably the biggest thing. Um, and then within the army, like if, for guys that are looking, looking into aviation, special operations. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, it's a good life. Um, I would, I would recommend, especially for those, you know, potential aviation officers, like do some research, understand what it is you're getting into. Um, because, you know, there are different 
there are differences between like warrant officers, officers, what it is you're going to do versus what it is you're not going to do. There's also like the whole luck and timing thing within the military, but then there's also uh, your ability to go out there and seek out opportunities in the military. And people don't always tell you, but you know, you do kind of have the ability at some point to start writing your own career a little bit. Um, but you just got to put yourself out there and take some risks. We sure have heard that time and time again on here. Going out and doing what you want to do and making it happen. Yeah, you definitely got to. I mean, the, you know, the, the army is kind of a team of teams. So sometimes you got to suck it up and, and like do things you don't want to do. But, um, and obviously, especially as a junior officer, there are certain things you just have to do right up front. I mean, you got to be a platoon leader yeah. at some point. You got to, you got to do this, you got to do that. And depending on what it is your given career path is, but at a certain point, um, you know, you don't always have to take the path that somebody has laid out in front of you. Cause the, the army is really good about saying like, here's your path, follow this. And a lot of people will just follow that path and just do like the jobs they think they have to do. But there's always opportunities to reach out and try to do something non-standard. And that's kind of how I ended up over in the special operations world. And um, one of the things that I want to look back on my career in the military, however long it is, uh, is that it was unique. It wasn't the cookie cutter army career. Like I, I did some unique things, did some unique jobs, um, and just really, really got the most goodness out of it to make me the best person I can be. So what's the next That's step awesome. after command for you? You know, yes. Yeah. So right now I'm a, a flight company commander. Um, I will be a battalion XO next. Um, and then after that, it's a little uncertain because we haven't planned that far out, but, uh, potentially some other type of staff work. Um, or there's also like within the greater special operations community, there's all kinds of unique opportunities, um, to do different types of liaison, non-standard type things, which is pretty cool. Um, so, so who knows, we, you know, the world is my oyster, I think, um, as long as I do a good job and, uh, and don't mess it up too bad. <laughs> Can you stay in the Crushing special operations world like the whole time or like do you have to go out and do conventional stuff? Like eventually? Um, it kind of depends like at a certain point. So there are certain like points where guys kind of dip in and out. Um, I was fortunate enough, like, so after being a captain for a while, I went away to, to ILE. I was fortunate enough to come right back. Some guys dip out and go do some conventional jobs for a little while and then maybe make their way back or maybe not. Um, so I really wanted to, to make my way back immediately. And fortunately I was able to, um, and then after this, it gets a little more vague because you can just, there's just a wide array of things that you can do from like various levels of staffs. Um, there are things that are like, you know, special liaisons to various commands and things like that, because, you know, having, having an aviation expertise, you know, comes in handy for people at higher levels who have to plan things and, or, you know, make decisions. So um, it can get kind of interesting from there. Crushing it. That was all uh, unscripted stuff. I was just interested in those questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there's some cool stuff out there. Awesome. Well, appreciate you having on. Anything else you want to add before uh, we wrap things up? Um, no, man, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm pretty excited. Um, I definitely am a, a long time listener, first time member of the podcast now. <laughs> uh, no, it's fun. I'm glad, I'm glad I got to talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It's awesome. All right.
Thanks for tuning in to the B-Hall Radio Show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, reach out to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email, bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and as always, go Army, be Navy.